0: What is a healthy school? There's lots of ways to answer that question because schools are complex organizations. Healthy schools have the right curriculum, well-trained teachers, but they also have to be guided by capable leaders and board members. If you were to have a dashboard in front of you monitoring all of the key indicators of a healthy school, what should you be attending to? What gauges would you want to have? We will talk about these key indicators in this conversation with Walter Kearns who helps schools answer these important questions of what it means to be healthy. So if you're a parent wanting to know the right questions when choosing a school or a school leader, wanting to be sure you have all of your bases covered, join us for this episode of Basecamp Live.
1: Mountains, we all face them as we seek to influence the next generation. Get equipped to conquer the challenges, summit the peak, and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. We call it ancient future education for raising the next generation. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Now, your host, Davies Owens.
0: Welcome to Basecamp Live. Davies Owens here is always greeting you with deep appreciation for your time and opportunities to hear from you. This is a, another episode where we're going to be dropping. At the end of the interview with Walter, another interview, bonus, with one of our climbers. You'll have to stay tuned to hear those details. It's not very long, but it's a great way just to meet people who are on the journey with you. And if you're listening thinking, I would love to tell my story, I'd love to explain how classical Christian education has impacted my family, how it's impacted my life, and maybe for some of you, just very significant changes in terms of making decisions to go a different career direction or the boldness of starting schools. I know many of you are in very um, challenging and noble work of starting up brand new classical Christian schools, and we are definitely interested in hearing about your journey and ways we can encourage and pray for you. There is so much to be thankful for, especially just those who come alongside and partner with us as we go through life, and classical Christian education, of course, is is booming right now all across the world. We talk about that a lot on here, just as the culture continues to heat up as the Barbarians keep knocking at the gate, more and more people keep knocking on our schools saying, hey, we want to do things differently, and we want to be a part of encouraging you on that journey. Speaking of being on that journey and being encouraged, we are grateful at Basecamp Live for sponsors who come alongside us. I want to give a shout out in this episode to CLT Classic Learning Test, Jeremy Tate and his team. They do an amazing job, not only of convening conversations around what's happening in classical education, like Jeremy's podcast, Anchored. But of course, their test is second to none in terms of measuring and, and equipping schools to know how to not only hand off students into college, but even along the way with their new uh, test that that is targeted for grammar school students. You'll want to learn more at their at their website at CLT. But uh, great partners and great friends. So thanks so much for being a part of the Basecamp Live family. In this episode, I get to sit down with Walter Kearns. He's the director of. Strategic of Strategy at the Champion Group, and they're a Christ-centered fundraising and strategy consulting company based in Birmingham, Alabama. I've had the privilege of being there on the ground with Walter Kearns and his team. Champion conducts major fundraising events, and they do organizational strategy consulting for Christian schools and ministries and charities all around the U.S. and Canada. They bring together experience from about 2,800 client engagements And They know their stuff. Let's just put it that way. Walter has a a wonderful background in ministry, worked with K-Life for quite a number of years. He's married to his wife, Jan, a dad of twin girls and a younger son, so he is a father who thinks a lot about education as well. He's also pretty passionate about Auburn football, so if you run into Walter, um, that's a good conversation starter. But I had no problem talking to Walter about this very important topic of what it is to be a healthy school, and he works with schools around the country on this topic. So without further ado, join me for this conversation with Walter Kearns. Well, Walter Kearns, welcome to Basecamp Live.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Davies.
0: It's so good to be with you. You are you have been working with a champion group now for how long?
1: Yeah, I've been with a champion group. This is my fifth year. Okay. Um, coming on board with them.
0: Yeah, well i I love what you guys are doing. You know, I think you know, parents probably somehow know that uh, or I'm sure assume that, you know, behind any good school there's all kinds of supporting organizations and and just a team of people that want the school to be successful and and i love that uh you have a heart for classical christian as we sit here at the accs conference yep. and we were just sure do but conference kind of working the circuit with me here around around <laughs> this time of year <laughs> um getting out there but we're going to talk in a minute just about you know just kind of seven uh just kind of core competencies of a healthy school and, yep. and i think it's so important to know how to choose choose a school wisely you um, you and your wife kind of went through that recently but just Mm -hmm. maybe back up a little bit of your story because I just love like how did you get into the world where you're supporting classical Christian schools
1: yeah God's had me on a really circuitous route uh, to really getting into the the classical uh, movement which we've really embraced uh, with open arms my wife and I have and um, I went to Auburn University And from Auburn, uh, a great um, organization that really impacted my life was Cannecuck Camps. Yeah. You know, I went to Cannecuck, went to their seminary program, um, thought I was going to go into business and thought I was going to take a corporate job. And then God said, no, you're going to go into youth ministry. (laughs) And, you know, you're not going to make hardly any money, but you're going to get to impact these students' lives, right? You're going to have this front row to discipleship. And so ran a small group ministry for several years and then started overseeing that ministry and their boards across the country. There were multiple chapters. I would oversee eight to 10 wow. uh, chapters a year, their boards, their budgets, their their staff, their spiritual plans. And it really just awoke in me this desire for sustainability within yeah. ministry yeah. Uh, to make sure you have the money that you need, but also that you have the infrastructure that you need to run that day to day, year to year, decade to decade. And I didn't have that. I didn't have that structure. And so really wanted to get into uh, a job where I could do that, the Champion Group offered that to me. Mm -hmm. And so now working with them, I get to work with Christian schools, with Christian classical schools. And and what we get to do is look at their school, look at these seven components and go, okay, how healthy are you? Mm -hmm. And, And how well are you able to overcome financial barriers? Uh, be organizationally effective, so that you can focus on yes. discipleship, the tra- yeah. spiritual transformation of the student, right. on that granular level, right. which is so hard when you're trying to put out fires yeah. all the time. Yeah,
0: well, you know, we were talking earlier. You know, it's kind of like as an, an analogy. I mean, it's kind of like going in a restaurant that's your favorite restaurant, and you love the food, and you're completely bought into it. But you know, if you really, if you're really supporting that, and again, most parents are. Uh, I mean, or most people going to restaurants are or, or just kind of in a, at a consumer level engaging them. I mean, we parents are much more uh, committed deeply to the organization that we call school that our kids go to. Mm-hmm. But sort of being able to come alongside the administration and just say, hey, there's these are ways that I know that matter. I mean, when schools are fundraising, they're not doing it because they have nothing else to do. They're doing it because it's vital to That's their right. success. And so I think the more – so those of you who are listening who are parents, like, you know, Walters, we go through this. I mean, this is really helping us as parents to be – able to support our schools better to create better stability along the way it, certainly for those who are looking at schools just knowing what the right questions are to ask yeah so so you were saying you, you and your wife were looking fairly i guess not too long ago at a potential school for your kids and you kind of walked in you had your check sheet right there in front of you i'm sure it was a little intimidating <laughs> for that missions director There, like this guy knows his stuff well
1: if anybody uh you know we're in birmingham and so uh, our kids our two oldest are twins we have yeah. twin girls okay uh, so they're going to be going to westminster school at Mountain yep. next year. So it's if anybody cool. knows Lori Jill Keeler, I don't know that she's ever been intimidated in her life. <laughs> um, but it, you know, it, it was pretty funny uh, in the job that I get to do. I'm with I'm working with schools and, and a lot of classical schools yep. every day. Yeah, and so I did. I went in with a checklist. I had my my questions that I wanted to ask. You know, my wife is probably somewhat embarrassed. Going, hey, come on, put that <laughs> away. Put that <laughs> away. Um, but yeah, because I get to work in this sector. Yeah, it's really shown me what do we need to look for. When we are approaching a school to go, hey, we're entrusting you with our kids for, on average, 1,300 hours a year. Yeah, That's about 14% of my kid's life in mm-hmm. a year. So yeah. I, I want to partner with somebody that I can trust. Yeah. And so knowing those seven components is a great yeah. way. You know, just like you said, going into a restaurant. If you're in the restaurant industry you know what you want out of a restaurant, right? You hope regardless the, you hope the, the health the inspector food. comes around That's occasionally, right. <laughs> but you know you don't always ask that question. But
0: so that yeah, so again, I think as we kind of set up these questions, again, part of it too is if you are a teacher and administrator, these are things that you know just good to say. Gosh, are, have we have we had a health inspector here at our school ever? Is it is yeah. it happened? You know, these are things, especially it's. It, and I think part of it honestly that we're in a, in a moment in time where there's just exponential growth in classical Christian education, That's right. and there's so many startup schools and so many existing schools that are being stretched beyond you know any of prior numbers and so how do we build resilient schools that are well structured i mean that's really what we're after yeah. so why don't we jump in so let's let's take uh, number 1 i don't know if it's in a particular order but you know what would be on that kind of dashboard of, of things to be looking at what should we be looking at
1: yeah i mean from i, w- I would say more an administrative perspective yeah. okay. or, or a leadership perspective yeah. um just kind of going down this list I, I want to look at board governance strategic planning um advancement your operations your financial planning and modeling and budgeting um what does your leadership in hr look like and, yeah. and then absolutely vital academics
0: So, Walter, of these seven, the first one you've identified is strategic planning. So that sounds Mm – that's pretty – I mean, strategic planning is a fairly robust process. So, I mean, if if I'm a parent walking in, am I going to – You know, should a school have a copy of their strategic plan readily available? Is it on the wall somewhere? How do you know? What does that even look like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not looking for a a look behind the scenes. I'm not, as a parent who is going into a school, I'm not saying, hey, can I please sit down with your leadership team or your board and go through your strategic plan? (laughs) Um, But really, the strategic plan is going to drive the direction of the school. And a lot of times, you're going to see great examples of a strategic plan all over the place. Um, When you walk in. What's the mission and vision of the school? That's gonna be posted in a lot of areas. So you're gonna get an idea of what's the purpose of the school? How are they living that purpose out? What are the core values? Uh, When we walked in, I really wanted to know core values because core values set culture, right? And so what's the culture that you're trying to accomplish for my students? Right. Um, That's very important. Um, Now how they play that out, I mean, obviously, you'll have to be there for a while to see that. But one of my favorite questions to ask when we were starting to look at schools was, To ask several different people, ask the admissions director, ask the teachers, ask the administration, uh, a simple question, what are your top focuses as a school Mm. over the next couple of years? And if they have a strategic plan, they should have strategic objectives that they're focusing on. Right. And if those teachers and leaders all say the same thing, you know that they've communicated those same objectives. Yeah. and top most important things to everybody in the organization that shows me great leadership. Yeah. And if they say something different, um, that not that we wouldn't go there, but now I'm going. Okay, well, where is the focus? Right. Uh, so it's just a good litmus test of but, how unified is that organization. Well,
0: you, and you've mentioned, you know, a couple. You've talked about like a core values, and I mean that can be a completely separate exercise from a mission statement, which is different from a strategic plan. But the bottom line, you know, where, are they clear where they're going? I that's mean, I right. think that's what it is. I mean, and, and a lot of honestly, a lot of mission statements either are, um, you know, not memorable, and you know, it's it's eight sentences of excellence this and godly that, and it's like I don't really know what any of that means. It sounds really <laughs> good, um, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, I, I remember our school in Atlanta. We um, uh, at Heritage uh, worked with our. Chairman of our board, who was a VP at Chick Fil A, so you know they know marketing, right? And we spent a just good a bit of time bit. trying to figure could we could we figure out how to like distill all of that down to just you know think with excellence, believe with confidence, and mm-hmm. live with character. And then those hinge points were talking points everybody could work off of. So I mean, it sounds like just do you
1: know where you're going? I mean, That's right. I mean, yeah. really, I just want to yeah. know why do you exist? And right. you know, classical schools are great at this. They Classical is so honed in on the whole man, the whole woman, that how are we creating virtuous leaders? And right. that's why we were attracted to the classical movement in the first place. But I also want to know how healthy is your classical school that my kids are about to go to? Yeah, yeah. And, and what does that look like? Yeah. Um, and so those were just a few of the questions for me to go, What what direction are you going in as a school? And what, but, I
0: mean, again, just to drill on this for a second, because we got know we got to get through all of them here, but, but like what, what would be an example of like a, of a good answer to a strategic plan other than, well, you know, we're looking at expanding some campuses or, oh, you know, yeah, or, I mean, what, what are they looking for? Yeah,
1: yeah uh, so many, so many schools when you ask them, okay, like, what are you focusing on? Well, we're focusing on, um, you know, building a new building. That That's not a strategic objective. That's something that you are doing to accomplish a strategic objective, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, what I'm really looking for when I'm asking that question as a parent um, you know, Lori Jill Keeler uh, took us through a series of statements and she goes, this is not the school for you if okay, and I loved it I, I just sat there and go, wow, you are honing in on everything that you are as a school and so really when I said, well, what are you guys working on? And she's like, well, you know we really want to focus on uh, partnering with parents for, to increase discipleship oh, wow Mm -hmm. So my wife and I are, I hope, great parents. We're not good enough, and we need help. That's why we're going to a Christian school, specifically a class school. So when she said that... I immediately perked up and I'm like, yes, so you want to focus on that. And then when I ask teachers, you know, when I'm I'm looking at other people, they're saying something very similar. So I know that they are focused on the spiritual transformation of their students, which is about to be my student or my kid. And so that was a great indicator for me of y'all are on mission. You are unified. You've talked as a team and you've prepped for what's most mm-hmm. important and what you think is most important is also what's most important for me. Yeah. Where do right. I, where do I right.
0: sign? Yeah. And it could be, I mean, it, it could be that they have clarity around their kind of resource priorities that they, they need new infrastructure and they're going to build right. a building. That's fine. But it's got to fit all. And I think again, to your point, just, just continuity. You don't want every other person you asked to have a slightly different that's right. So, but that's strategic planning. All right. Let's get to the, so the second sign of a healthy school or, or kind of a I guess a competency is board governance. You mentioned. So yeah. What, what's behind that?
1: Yeah, this one's a lot harder as a parent. Yeah. Um, you know, as as a consultant, as somebody who works with Christian schools all the time, um, I, I can I can ask questions of the leadership pretty quickly to go. You know, how healthy is your board? Yeah. Um, you know, asking them, are they in the day to day operations? Um, which is something I, as a consultant, can go to the leadership for. As a parent, this is a little bit harder to gauge. Uh, I'll just kind of say from my own personal experience, um, the uh, board chair for Westminster is a close friend. He and I get lunch at least once a month. So, you know, it was great for me as a parent. He's actually one of the ones who encouraged me to come and take a tour. Um, But if you're a parent who doesn't have access like that, um, I would say just ask for a meeting with one of the board members and go, can you please just... Walk me through. Why are you a board member? Mm-hmm. What drew you to the school? What excites you about the school right now? And you're going to see very quickly what is the, the climate of that board? What does it look like? Because the board is a foundation of a school. Um, they're really working with leadership to set the direction, the strategic direction of the school. And so as a parent, I want to know what that strategic direction is. And that's a great question to ask at lunch with a board member. Yeah. Hey, where's school going in the next five to 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And just sit back and listen. And and usually, you know, God's going to give you the discernment to go, hey, that's great. That aligns with us or oh, there might be a red flag there. And right. very, very but if they mention, like, like
0: yeah, happen. well, the board was just meeting with a third-grade teacher last week, and we were working on this piece of curriculum with her. <laughs> now you... And, maybe that's not what the board should be. To your point, I think that's certainly what I've seen is, is very difficult, especially when you're in that moving from that early infancy startup that's stage right. where everybody's rolling their sleeves up and those lines can't be that clear. And you've got boards that unfortunately have to be a little bit more operational, That's but right. you better get out of that pretty quick.
1: Yeah. And just for listeners who, who yeah. haven't gone through board governance training, um, <laughs> you know, if you have, if you have board members who are talking about curriculum or discipline issues, that that's not a good thing. No, that's um, not. And sometimes it's necessary, right? When you're smaller, early on, early um, on, maybe yeah. you got to get into the operations, right. but when you, you
0: got to move out of that phase yeah. pretty fast. I mean, school should have one employee; it's the head of school, That's right. and if that person is qualified, <laughs> yeah. then get out of the way, board people, and do your job. Because there's a lot of important work the board needs to be doing. But That's you right. know, but you're right, Walter. I mean, the, the statistics I've read: eighty percent of ISM says eighty percent of uh, heads that end up leaving is due to conflict with the board. That's and right. I think nonprofit boards, uh, unfortunately, are probably some of the more unhealthy. Uh, you know. It, it, uh, gatherings on the face of the earth because it tends to be people they intend well but they don't have training and you know where do you get trained to be a board right and, so, I
1: mean this was my experience in youth ministry yeah right I had salt of the earth um, I mean just some of the greatest people I know keep up with all of them still yeah but nobody gave them training right they, they didn't know what a strategic board looked like right and so therefore you know it suffered for me right. suffered for them and we spun our wheels a lot yeah. uh, but there's some you know, very simple questions that we've kind of outlined here that can really <laughs> help you understand as a parent going into a school or at a school yeah. that you can ask to determine yeah. what that health looks like yeah.
0: do you ever find how often do you find schools that have actually uh, you know members of the board that don't have kids in the school?
1: You know, very rarely, um, and you know, we actually encourage that uh, yeah. uh, as a consulting could. group because sure. um, if if you only have parents who make up the board, um, that can it, it's quickly become a conflict yeah, well, of interest. It's
0: impossible. Well, and it's it's kind of an impo- you know, in a pure world, that would be great. But I mean, who wants to be on a school board <laughs> whose kids aren't in the school? I mean, generally, that, that, that's right. Those are rare rare folks. And but it it's embedded with that that bias. Obviously, that's you know, you're going to always be filtering it through. What your spouse is telling you in one ear, or what the kids are worried about, or that, know, that's yeah, that's
1: right. And 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 this is a key indicator for us of how healthy a board is when we are conducting assessments. Mm. Is do you have board members who are not parents? And and if you say yes, what that indicates to us is. You're healthy enough to attract, right? That's a whole. corporate men and women who have run very successful businesses. Yeah, and and your school is a business. you're yeah, in the business right. of creating disciples and you know graduating well-educated men and women. Right, but it's it's still a business yeah. to do yeah. that.
0: Are the any uh, what's what's the best pressure on like you know the terms uh, of, of board members? Because I know some schools that have you know board members have been in there 20 years and they're not leaving and they're going right. to, And in some ways like that totally makes sense because it's stability and continuity. You don't get mission drift on the other side. You can also kind of get stuck. So that's right. What's the wisdom there,
1: um, man? We could do a whole podcast I know, on this if I you know. want to come back. I'm, I'm, and, <laughs> and, and, oh, I love this. i just giving you a few little, like, I, I know. Yeah. And, and I mean, you and I've talked about this over tacos already, but um, you know, with, with a board and term limits, uh, what the champion group does, and, and this is a great litmus test for heads of school who are listening Um, We tell you don't ever have term limits, ever. Mm -hmm. Now, some people are hearing that going, are you kidding me? (laughs) What if I have a terrible board member? Well, what we would suggest in a strategic board governance model, you have a board charter to define what does the board do. Then you're going to have committees. You're going to have responsibilities. You have an evaluation process. You have a nomination process. So in that nomination process, you're looking at who do we need because you've built uh, – profiles of board members that you are looking for. Yeah. So when you see somebody, you're not getting a warm body like I did in Stillwater. You're you're getting someone who is strategically advantageous Mm -hmm. to what you need to get done at that school. And then you're nominating them through a committee of board members who who only exist to nominate and vet board members. So you're you're bringing on good board members and then you're giving them a specific role and responsibilities, which which is all laid out, right? And then here's the absolute key. You evaluate them. Yeah. Right? So even if you did bring those people on, I'm sure there's people listening who go, but what if they don't work out? This is where we get to engage as Christians in healthy Mm -hmm. conversations. And you go, hey, we're going to evaluate you on a periodic basis, whether that's quarter by quarter, uh, a couple of times a year, and go, hey, We have an evaluation process that says, you're not accomplishing this job or or you're hurting us. So we're going to have to lean in and have a hard conversation. But here's what we don't want to happen, Davies, is we get a great board member and then we have term limits. And then we got to let them go. <laughs> I, I, you know, th- yeah. there's not many corporations out there that are for profit that would ever do that because they want to have the best version of themselves possible. Sure, sure. So it's kind of like shooting yourself in your foot. Yeah. You yeah. know, you, you don't want to do that, but you do have to have the foundation and structure in place, right. for that to be done yeah. properly.
0: Well, and I think again, a lot a lot of parents coming in or even faculty uh, would not necessarily know that what what a good board looks like in right. terms of structure, and I think it's just. You know what's hard, of course, is when you are the, you know, the, the teacher or quote just the parent, and you've walked into a system that you just you don't have anything to you didn't form it. But I think knowing what's healthy, and to your point, I that some of the best board members inevitably will be parents that are willing to roll up their sleeves and get involved mm-hmm. and jump into a healthy system. So, well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're, we'll we'll talk about advancement and operations and some of these other things and what that means in yeah. a practical way. Okay, all right sounds good. It's time for another quick Classical Christian Q&A with Dr. Tem Dernlin. So, Tim, again, we're famous in our Classical Christian world for lots of words that are deep in meaning, but hard to even pronounce and and uh, maybe not even sure what they mean. The word arete, which uh, some might say arete, it's actually spelled A-R-E-T-E, is one of those great
2: words. But what does it mean? Uh, it means, uh, it's a Greek word, and it means excellent. Um, or excellence in the ancient Greek culture, the term erite was used most often to refer to moral virtue. Uh, believe it or not, and the um, fulfillment of one's purpose. And so, when we when we use that word, it means much more than just excellence. It means fulfilling one's purpose, moral virtue. And in classical Christian schools, um, it's used in the same way to refer the of the cultivating of the virtue in students, and um it lines up a lot of times with our portrait of a graduate and a lot of times we we have a list of things that we want graduates to look like and it's much more than just academic it's that whole formation fulfilling one's purpose as a as a human and so it's a it's a it's a lot packed into that little greek word it's probably like
0: many greek words that don't translate simply into english so you're almost better going back it's like the word paideia that there's not an easy translation so we it's good to kind of rediscover these these words plus you impress your neighbors when you say it
2: yeah there you go that's a great point how they don't there's so much more packed in they don't translate quite uh so nicely right and so there's a lot of depth and culture there Well, because we're
0: aiming for something so much bigger and you need a word that's not just a you know an awesome adjective you need something that's truly the right word for what we're trying to do and that's our if, <laughs> if
2: if we were simple creatures um maybe we would have simple words, but there's so much in yeah. the way God has created us. So, right. yeah, we'll I'm, just, for, I'm just glad for, it's
0: higher than have a really cool education. This is the right, our taste, the best word. Amen. Thanks, Dr. Tim. Check out Dr. Dernland's book on 100 Questions on Classical Christian Education. Got a question for him to answer on Basecamp Live? Send the question to info at Basecamp Live, or leave us a message by voice or text on the Basecamp hotline. That's 833-595-2929. We look forward to hearing from you. Okay, Walter, so the next... uh component of a healthy school is advancement. What does
1: that mean? I mean uh, Davies, that's the entire uh, development office, right? The fundraising, the capital campaigns, the endowments, grant writing. Um, really, this is how is the money coming in in a non-tuition manner is what this is kind of viewed as by most parents and, and heads of school.
0: Yeah. And, and, and obviously... Um, and probably parents are on the sense of like, yeah, stop sending me those postcards and call <laughs> me about stuff. Like I like less, less advancement, but yeah, but the reality we were talking about this at lunch, the reality is that most of our schools really do operate at a bit of a deficit because you don't want to have tuition so high you can't, That's right. folks can't afford it. So now you got to make up for it with some That's kind right. of fundraising.
1: And, you know, what, what we're doing, we have quite a few fundraising campaigns that we do with schools. And uh, we're encouraging all the schools we work with to really educate their parents on the fact that teachers do not get paid at market rate. Teachers are taking a huge pay cut, and there, so was a,
0: there was a giant cheer that just I heard across the <laughs> land when you said that. Yeah, yeah. But keep going. Teachers yeah. who are listening well, to this, we hear you. Well, it is unfair in the sense That's that right. you know, these government schools can afford to pay way
1: more. That's right. Uh, anyway, carry on. Yeah. So please thank your teacher today. They're taking yeah, a massive absolutely. pay cut to, yeah, to yeah. invest in your kids. But um, when we look at an advancement department, you know, we're, we're really looking at how are you diversifying, um, bringing in that revenue, and then also how are you centralizing. And what I mean by that is, how does each fundraiser play into the mission and vision of the school? Mm-hmm. Um, so often, I talked to one school uh, who said, hey, we do 27 different fundraisers every semester. I love chocolate bar, light bulb sales, Back Boston in the day. Butts. Oh, yeah. yeah, man. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And your parents are sitting there going, no more. Please yeah. stop. Yeah. And so, you know, a great thing when I was interviewing, at Westminster, you know, we're talking about, are we going to send our kids here? You know, is this going to fit our family dynamic? Um, I just ask, hey, w- what are your fundraisers that you do in a year? Yeah. Um, how much of a tuition gap do you operate with? Now, they were shocked that I knew what a tuition gap was. And so, uh, you know, everybody yeah. out there, like most schools do operate where their tuition does not pay for all the operational budget. Um, and so you're going to have to fundraise. But how do you fundraise? what does that look like how much are you trying to raise and does the fundraiser fit the ethos of the school right and so you know that's just a great question to ask if if you've got um a school that you're going to and and they're doing wrapping paper sales at christmas a great question to ask is why are we doing wrapping paper sales and and that's not a accusatory question it is a can you please help me understand head of school or lower school head or, or whoever you're in contact with um, you know what's what's the missional value of right. this, and if they can tell you what that missional value is, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but what we're really pushing for when we go in and do assessments of school health is, um, do your fundraisers. One, are they effective? Is there a high ROI on that fundraiser? Um, and then secondly, does it fit the mm-hmm. mission and vision of the school? And right. so even as a head of school or leadership, it's fantastic to sit down, if you have a director of development, if you don't, sit down with your team and go, what fundraisers are we going to do this year? And what is the purpose of each one? And so what we always encourage uh, our schools, our partner schools to do is define the financial goal for your uh, fundraiser, but also define the organizational goal for a fundraiser. Well,
0: and I suspect from a parent standpoint, I mean, how often we're asked to contribute, and maybe we don't really, we're not convinced what the need is. I mean, maybe there's some you know, explanation of this is going to help with scholarships or something, but it just, I think at a base level, getting that clarity of understanding of what this is even for. That's right. So That's right. Okay. Well, let's go. So the next uh, of the, and by the way, all of these make up for you guys, uh, a champion group is really just a, a school-wide audit. I mean, use it really as an auditing Correct. tool for a school. Correct. But it's something certainly for anybody uh, for considering a school or just wanting to kind of have a sense of what should be those as I call them dashboard indicators. so the next gauge on the dashboard is operations what does that mean
1: yeah this is a great one Um, so you know you have your strategic plan yep what are the next most important things that we're focusing on we talked about that earlier uh, in the podcast Um, operations is a byproduct and an outcome of a strategic plan what do we need to be doing in order to accomplish what we have said is most important right so at Westminster they said well we we want to communicate with you guys for the spiritual health of your students awesome here's a great practical way to ask a question as a parent to your school to see how well their operations are working how are you going to communicate to me how well my kids are doing or if there's a problem with my kid Hmm. and if they have a centralized uh communication system man that's going to be so easy and it's so quick and seamless it's going to make great make for a great user experience and obviously you're going to have to test that and see that as a parent but if they don't that that's going to be a little clunky right and and so as a parent you're not always going to get in a glimpse at in your admissions process or or even in the day-to-day of like how the operations are going that's usually going to be something that's dragged out yeah and a lot of times you're only going to feel the pain points of that you know if something goes wrong or there's a breakdown in communication well clearly you're you're going to see that Um, but you know for heads of school those operations are that's the systems and processes of a school that allow you to scale right right if you if you are a school of a hundred students and you grow to 300 your pain points don't go away right you've got to develop those systems and operations the back end to be able to scale properly
0: so these are really practical things like you know how it you know what what software does the school use Mm -hmm. to record grades to communicate you know parent communication you know they Using email only, do they use right. like a parent alert system? Do they, I mean, it's just, what are all the functional mechanisms of operation? That's okay. right. Okay. Yeah. many I mean, directions and donor stuff. Donor
1: CRM, you know, yeah, just, yeah. just anything on the back end that helps you run more efficiently yeah. and effectively. Yeah.
0: And that's, again, those are, you know, maybe could quickly to a parent get kind of technical speak, you know, which which software do you use? But the, but the user experience is what we're talking about. Like, I mean, how well do we function especially as the school's larger because trying to just get that's right you know i've always said school the school business as a business is a very it's challenging on endless levels a 13-year journey you're dealing with parents you know (laughs) their kids their money their faith and and the biggest challenge is you're only physically in the building with your customer for only once or twice a year so like how do you communicate all this time so that's that's a great question around Operational. Let's do one more. How about uh, financial planning? Yeah. What, what does that sound like? That sounds like. Uh, I mean, financial
1: yeah. planning. I'm I'm a business guy. Yeah. I got a business degree. Okay. I'm a nerd. I yeah. love it. Um, this is one that's going to be extremely difficult for parents. I mean, you don't go into an, an yeah. admissions interview or to see to your, your yeah. teacher and go, "Hey, can I please see your consolidated capital budget?" You know, <laughs> I mean, come on, like who does that besides me? Right. Um, no, this is I, I would say more directed at uh, the leadership of the sure. school, but sure when you are looking at a financial plan, which would be budgeting and forecasting. Again, this is a direct response to a strategic plan. Once you have your next most important objectives in place, you create that operational plan. And then once you have the operational plan, this is simply going to your department heads and saying, here's what we chose to focus on this year. Here are the operations that we're gonna conduct to do that. Yeah, we need your, your budgets. What do you need? What resources do you need to accomplish those operations this year? Because we've said what's most important. Then they get those. You consolidate that into budgets. Then you create your capital budget for the year. And then what this really allows, Davies, is for you to track it. You get to put dashboards and KPIs. So then your board meetings become progress reports instead of discussions yeah and you can say hey um, how are we doing on cash how are we doing this year and it's not just this ambiguous well I think we're doing well you go no um, hey we've got four hundred thousand dollars in the bank so,
0: so to that to that end I you know again thinking about unfortunately there there are too many stories that I'm aware of of schools that looked great great curriculum mm-hmm. And, you know, all of a sudden, out seemingly out of the blue, news comes the school's going to have to close or something That's changes. Right. And it's because, you know, the nobody's, nobody's really been minding the numbers as well as they should have. That's right. So what's, re, or is it re, what's realistic as far as what a school should publicly make available to a parent? I mean, I you know, back in the church days, they used to always put on the back of the bulletin, you know, That's offerings right. from last Sunday were such and such. I mean, how transparent should a school be and it's probably not a, a universal answer to that but what's your opinion of that
1: yeah i mean i don't think there is a universal answer i mean if you really want to go look at the financials of a nonprofit, there's a 990 that's filed you know filed guide away. star online you, yeah, can, you, pull the you can go thing. look at that right yeah so you know what we would say is i mean and to your point you know we we helped a school uh raise well over a hundred thousand dollars one year two years later they closed their doors yeah it's not about money right now, money helps but it's sure. not all about it and so you know i, I would say as a board I would publish those quarterly and just say, "Hey, listen, here's our financials. Here's okay. what we're doing." Now, that takes a lot of transparency and, and it takes a lot of trust because yeah. hey, you got to be working really hard, but if you want to succeed, you've got to have a good budget and forecast so that you can know, "Hey, if we have 400 grand in the bank, that's awesome. How much do we say that we needed?" Right. If we said we needed 700 grand, that's not great 400 right, right. is way less and so to publish that i think is a personally i think it's a great way for accountability for the board yeah. but also for the parents to go man we've got a board that's working hard we see the direction so if you if your financials are a mess you probably don't want to publish right. them but let's but, get them to a point where we go man we would love to show our parents yeah this. no i think
0: it's a, you know it's it's messy and complicated but i mm-hmm. think it's a, it's a question boards schools should be asking to your point I mean because you know the challenge if you you put up $400,000 and just say we have this in reserves well it sounds like well then don't come ask me for the annual fund because you guys are doing (laughs) pretty well it's like well no actually like you know know, the Dave Ramsey plan here schools need you need to have X amount of you know run room rainy day funds like oh well you really need 700 so really 400 is way less than we're supposed to have like Mm -hmm. oh okay well that's different so I mean obviously you you gotta know how to communicate that but I think that's a harder question when you walk in and you know paint looks great and the pictures are beautiful and the kids are smiling and like but to your point is anybody just like a family
1: budget somebody needs to be paying attention here so. got to be paying attention yeah. and it's got to be an ongoing process that as sounds, well that sounds
0: good well let's take another quick break um the crowds are building around us here at the conference but we're going to come back uh walter and we're going to talk about two more of these very important um, indicators of healthy schools let's do it hey there i'm jeremy tate founder of the classic learning test or clt Here at CLT, we are big fans of the Basecamp Live podcast, and we're excited to be joining Basecamp in the renewal for classical education. In addition to our beautiful suite of assessments for grades seven through 12, and soon to be three through six as well, we have exciting new things going on at CLT. Please check out our new website where you can find out about the Anchored podcast,
2: the CLT journal, and upcoming test dates. Head over to www.clt.com dot com slash base camp. Again,
0: that's www.cltexam.com slash basecamp. Whether you're a homeschool parent, a teacher, or a school administrator, we would love to support you and your mission fulfilling a classical vision for education. All right, Walter, we're here in the midst of the throng of people. This is great to have a uh ACCS, 1,400 people I know, most staff. I know. You you and I are doing the circuit. We're at SCL and, and had a great uh, gathering with, with leaders. There's an amazing number of people just around this country involved in this classical Christian school movement.
1: It's really fun and encouraging, Davies, just to see the amount of men and women who love Jesus, who love classical, who are just pouring into students just like mine Absolutely. who are going to school next year. I know.
0: Year. These, are, these are amazing saints walking these halls around us here. <laughs> so let's go back to, again, just you've got kind of on the dashboard looking over that next instrument. Um, you know, there's the gas gauge. And in this case, it's the yep. leadership HR gauge. What does that mean?
1: Oh, man. I mean, we don't have anywhere near the amount of time <laughs> that we need to go into this one. This is probably the one I get on tangents on the most. So you'll have to keep me uh, right. on time here. But uh, man, leadership and HR, uh, I'm going to speak specifically to the heads of school first. Okay. Um, really, when we look at a school, We want to know from the leadership how healthy is the leadership. And the way we do that is, first of all, we're going to do a DISC and EQI assessment of the top leadership. Now, this is not a witch hunt. This is not us going, hey, Davies, are you the right head of school? No, no. Davies, you're running the school. How has God gifted you? There's this coach down in Alabama who's won a few games, and he he goes to the playoffs and and wins a national championship sometimes. He's at that other school. (laughs) mean, I'm an Auburn fan, so it pains uh-huh. me to say this, but Nick Saban wins for a reason. He reloads. He knows himself so well. yeah. And so, therefore, even when he loses half his staff, he's still back in the playoffs. And so, as leadership, as the men and women who are leading these schools, you have got to know yourself so well. You've got to be being coached by people so well who, who are investing in you. You're investing in an entire team, and you've got to have something in the tank. Who's filling you up to fill others? And so we want to look at how healthy is the leadership. Next, the HR component. And, you know, we could go two different ways on this. This could be how healthy is your staff and the professional development. Also, the back-end systems of training and payroll and time off. I'm going to really focus more on the development of your staff. Mm -hmm. is uh, when we go in there, we talk to the staff. We do a climate assessment, um, and we do that through a SWOT analysis and a series of 17 questions, and we really get some interesting answers. We we hear people who go, hey, I haven't had an eval in four years. Oh, yeah. And it's because your staff, it's not because the leadership don't love them and care. I mean, I think everybody we're seeing walk by here probably cares for their staff 10 times more than any for-profit that I know of. Yeah. However, you don't have the time to do it. Right. And, and that's scary. And that is the – and
0: and I think that's exactly it. And it's always the uh, sense in which, you know, we're, we're always kind of feeling a day late and a dollar short trying to everything mm-hmm. we do. But, you know, mm-hmm. something like the, the, your HSEC, you know, your head support and evaluation committee, I know not few schools – Historically, in my mind, have had those, and it's basically just an advocate group of the board walking yeah. next to your head. I mean, yeah. and this is the problem. You know, I, certainly, in my role as executive director of the SCL, I am, we are very, very focused right now on leadership. And That's I right. think you can have everything right, you can get your accreditation right, your curriculum right, your, but if you don't understand. Uh, the the fragile nature of leadership <laughs> and you're turning around and churning through heads 100%. of schools according to ISM. The average, and this is shocking, the average head of school is only uh, able to stay in that position three to four years. That's right. I mean, it's, 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 it's nothing short of, you know... A, uh, you know, an epidemic of, of leadership.
1: Right. And when you have that turnover every three to four years, there's no way no. there can be a cohesive development of leaders under you. And now we're seeing in this movement, Davies, we're yeah. seeing teachers leave at a rate right. never before. Right. And therefore, we're losing out on future leaders for the classical movement right. in Christian schools yeah. because we don't have the leaders who are healthy enough to develop right. in them. And, and, you know, my dad's a pastor. With pastors no different and schools there. alike, mm-hmm. you are seeing rampant sin that is popping up that's being exposed and our leaders are falling because they're so tired and sin takes its hold that's right and so one practical question that i was asking in the interview process was hey what what do you guys do here at westminster to uh, develop your teachers yeah what does that professional development look like and just stand back and listen yeah um And you can tell really quickly who has a plan and who doesn't. Um, (laughs) And, you know, going to conferences, I love that. And I also love to hear more of a grassroots as well. There has to be both of investing in them academically so they can teach well and investing in them personally so that they are in a healthy place to teach. So
0: is there, I mean, is there a percentage you have in your mind you tell a school to say, what percentage of your budget should you set aside for continuing education and training? Is that
1: a... I, I, w- I would love to say put aside half your budget to do that. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's just right. – it, it's so circumstantial for the size school well, and I the mean, budget. Well, I mean,
0: percentage-wise. I mean, I've heard, you know, 2%. I mean, some number – because I think most schools uh, – and I'm just – I'm asking that by way of – that would be a very – Uh, you know, very pointed question in an interview if you're a new parent, but just a sense in which, you know, how do you invest in your people is really, I think what you're trying to get
1: at. Yeah. I mean, I would love to say anywhere from three to 5%, but I mean, that's such a large percentage, but that would be my ideal. Right now. That's a huge number for a lot of schools, but also you go, this is your greatest resource. Like, you know, and, and you've got to experience a little bit of this, Our company is decentralized. We have staff all over the country, but there's a high population here in Dallas where we are this week. Yeah. And so we've flown in quite a few of our people who are right right here behind us, you know, taking pictures and cheering us on. And and we do that just because one of our core values is people. So, yeah, a large portion of our budget is spent just flying them in so we can be together. But but you guys, I mean— I want to say, you know, these are
0: broad brushstrokes, but I mean, corporate folks kind of quote get this, That's but right. I think, you know, what I'm amazed at just, you know, last week at SEL, I think about, uh, keep pointing to my friend, Ralph Janikowski running Westminster mm-hmm. Academy there in Memphis. I mean, they, they loaded up a bus with, you yep. know, almost, you know, 20 people and, and, right. and drove all the way down. That is not a small investment or, or no, how Whitman not. who flew 19 people from Princeton, no, New not. Jersey down. So, but those schools that are doing that are, are making significant it's, in the short run, it's a cash withdrawal. In the long yes. run, the deposit is significant. So- Look,
1: corporations, for-profit businesses spend tens of thousands of dollars every year on the development of their leaders. Yeah. Executive coaches are not cheap, and they're not cheap for a reason. But if let, let's just take private equity, for example. I mean, you're, you're going to spend easily 40 to 50 grand coaching a ceo in private equity right okay well that ceo is managing millions and millions of dollars so yeah 50 grand is worth making sure that he optimizes his job yeah now we can't spend that kind of money in schools no however but, yeah the concept still applies is you right. need to be dumping money into what is your most important resource and i'm going to say that at least one of the top is teachers
0: yeah no that's that's a great reminder and again i Maybe a little bit more awkward back to the parent, uh, you know, you're interviewing and you're meeting with the school. And, you know, I think it's just what kind of uh, continuing education, what kind of support. I mean, these are reasonable questions. I well,
1: think. and from a practical side, you you don't want to see your teacher burn a- out uh, halfway no. through the year. and right. go, Hold on. Why is, you know, why are Molly Kate and Sloan right. getting a right. different teacher well, this and, semester?
0: And again, I know we can't. We could talk for <laughs> hours, Walter, uh, because I think, you know, one of the the double edge of a lot of classical Christian schools is there's there's a no, an under a, a reasonable pride in, well, our, our our teachers are not state certified. Great. I, good. And I get right. why uh, we don't want them indoctrinated. But, you know, there are some actual um, classroom pedagog- pedagogical training. There's there's classroom management training. There's things that are pretty critical that you better be training them on that require continuing education dollars beyond just they learned the great books plan.
1: Well yes. said. And I'm going to say this as, as, as a less educated guy than you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and their emotional health. I absolutely. mean, my goodness, through COVID, you know, just, just to have a support yeah. for yeah. those teachers um, and administration. No, absolutely. Absolutely yeah. vital. Well, Agreed.
0: All right. Well, let's do the last one here on the dashboard uh, indicator. Would just be uh, academics. So clearly, maybe, and people are thinking, well, sure, that should have been the first <laughs> one. So I don't know. If these are in uh, you know ascending order, but you yeah. know,
1: they're they're not necessarily in ascending order. But what we do see is, I mean, academics of classical Christian schools specifically yeah. are incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the huge reasons why you send your kids there. Of course. Graduation rates are phenomenal. Class sizes are phenomenal. Um, So, you know, when we are assessing a school, um, what we're really looking at is uh, what standards are you using? Yeah. Right? How good is your curriculum mapping? Mm. You know, from year to year, are your students having curriculum that builds upon itself? Now, in a classical model, Davies... Yeah. this is really the foundation of classical. This right. is why you have logic and rhetoric and that you wanna progress them along those lines. So usually classical does a lot better job of yeah. this. But you know, one of the things that we really wanna see is also from the internal side, once you're using the standardized testing, How are you then using the data from that testing and enhancing the teacher and learner experience? Because a lot of times we see schools, they have the data, it's sitting in the desk or in a file. And and because the administration is so strapped for time or so busy, they're not intentionally taking that data and going, hey teachers, here's how you can be a better teacher by this data. And so we just want to check in and see, hey, what does that look like? Um, Now, from a admission standpoint, there's not a lot of questions I have to ask here as a parent. They're going to tell me what their academics are, how they're doing it, what their pedagogy is. Yeah. Um, it was the, the tour of Westminster. If <laughs> anybody out there wants help with admissions please call Laurie Jill Keeler at <laughs> Westminster. You have a hard time taking that tour and not putting your kids in because they walk you around, and they walk you from all through the lower school and yeah. go, this is the progression right. of our classical education. And you get done, you go, all right, where do I sign? Yeah. Um, so that really kind of most of the time is going to answer itself as you get mm-hmm. into the school. But, again, that curriculum mapping, standardized data, yeah. that, that's really what we're looking at from a administrative standpoint.
0: And most, and most schools do have uh, – Again, maybe designed for more internal eyes only, although it's not private. It's just what does that curriculum mapping look like? I That's remember right. years ago hiring a curriculum director, and it you know just to give folks a sense of the level of focus that re- you really should be doing as a school. Like he would he would take each year a different uh, area, maybe math one year mm-hmm. and, and uh, maybe a literature in some uh, aspect the next year. But like with math, and he he, he went and got butcher paper, and I remember he laid this thing out. It was like 12 feet long in our conference mm-hmm. room, and it was starting in kindergarten. Here's the specific math book we're doing. Here's the skill set we're after. And so when you get to May, there's a beautiful handoff to August. And that's there's
1: right. continuity straight through. You don't
0: that's get right. that in so it, many schools today.
2: And,
1: and really, Davies, that's just intentionality. Right. That, that's not rocket science. Right. It, it's just sitting down to go, hey, are we accomplishing what we say we're going right. to accomplish? Right. And, and you know, really the last thing that I would say from a macro standpoint yeah. as a parent, as a leader, administrator, board member, anybody listening, here's the number one question you can ask of your school. So if, if we say that our mission is to, you know, have spiritual transformation in these students' lives, partner with parents to create disciples of Jesus Christ, number one question you can ask your school, how are we doing? I mean, and, and Dave, that's a scary question. It's like and, asking for a report card. That's you can right. do that. Yeah. That's right. And, and, you know, we as a company, have right. that's where Champion Group formed out yeah. of, yeah. was this question of, well, we said that influencing a generation for Christ was the purpose Right. At our CEO school, right. and he said, "Well, if that's the purpose, how are we doing?" Yeah, I mean, it's crickets. Nobody yeah. knows how to answer that question. Right. So right. we we developed a discipleship yeah. audit Which to I look think, at that. Yeah, and and that's really the heart of the company. And so yeah. you know, don't be mean, parents, if you ask a, a head of school because <laughs> this is a hard question, but I think it's also a fair question. Sure, and saying, "Hey, can can you please help me understand what's the." portrait of a graduate. That's yeah. a great way to put it. Yep. It's a portrait of a graduate. And also, how are you guys doing over the course of several years in uh, the spiritual transformation? And what does that look like for my kid? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you ask that to Laura Jill Keeler, oh, <laughs> she to an blow you. your socks off.
0: Well, I think of those listening too, who are gifted, you know, parents in, you know, in, in, in the, in industries and, you know, working outside of the school world that could, could come alongside and volunteer and like, let's help yep. the school work out this level of Um, you know, measurable standards and results. And so, well, well, Walter, thanks for, again, I know we just skimmed over the top of these. You guys go deep every day with schools. Um, If folks want to know more about Champion Group, tell tell them a little bit about how to find you.
1: Yeah, just go to thechampiongroup.com and uh, you can fill out a request on there to talk to us more or see really what we do. You can do more of a deep dive on our website into each one of these uh, components. Sounds great. Walter, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Davies. All right, take care. Hey, don't go anywhere. The Climber Series interview is up next where you will hear amazing stories of hope and inspiration from fellow Basecamp Live listeners who are sharing the impact of classical Christian education on their life. If you have a story to share, please email us at info@basecamplive.com. Make sure to leave a five-star review and share this episode with a friend.
0: Well, Dale, welcome to Basecamp Live. Thank you. It's fun to have you um, here uh, on the microphone here at the ACCS conference. Um, You caught me in the hallway and said you were um, on a drive uh, to, I guess, go into the the Hope Academy training, and um, Mm -hmm. somehow, I don't know how this happened, you apparently consumed 50 Basecamp Live episodes, (laughs) which um, if it was a food product, you'd have a stomach ache, I think.
3: Right, yes. I, I did not have a stomach ache, but I came home with a... Renewed uh, enthusiasm. Uh, we were already in transition to classical Christian and uh, knew this is what we wanted for our girls and for yeah. my career. Um, and so that's what led me to be doing all of that in the first place. But then, uh, yeah, binge listening to yeah. Basecamp Live. Well,
0: I'm. Thank you for. <laughs> hearing my voice for that long although i apparently you were listening to me at 1.5 time which yes probably put me right there at mickey mouse level i'm not sure what that was like but all that to say dale thank you for being a listener thank you for what you're doing just a fellow climber here as we like to say on base camp kind of climbing up the side of the mountain with us trying to raise this generation so tell me a little bit of your story Mm -hmm. just you you uh, obviously um, uh, are in a classical christian setting now but it didn't start that way so how what was your own education like
3: Yeah, sure. So uh, growing up, uh, I was first exposed to the idea of classical by Mortimer Adler, reading How to Read a Book. And uh, he talks about uh, just the great conversation and the great books. And uh, that really just captivated my imagination as a middle school student.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's impressive to me. I mean, you were a public school right outside of Chicago, you're telling me. Right. Sounds like a good school, but I mean, what prompts a middle schooler to pick up an Adler book on how to read a book? Most middle schoolers aren't even reading books.
3: Right. Well, the title's funny, and so, you know, uh, maybe a seventh grade young man uh, (laughs) will at least dip his toe into something for the the sake of the the comedy in it, and uh, what I found was uh, an awesome book. Yeah.
0: And that kind of got you interested in maybe there's a better way to educate, a better way to to, um, manage... Uh, the raising the next generation. So then what was kind of next for you in your own life journey, kind of heading towards school?
3: Yeah, so um, after graduating high school, I went on to Cedarville University and uh, studied Bible teacher education. I wanted to teach Bible in a Christian high school. And uh, after that, um, uh, actually, I was in China for a year doing some missions and and then came back from that, got married and went to seminary just because um, I wanted to be even further uh, qualified and and shaped um, for the sake of teaching students to to love the Lord. yeah. And um, so right out of that, I took a position as an administrator at a small Christian school up in uh, rural Wisconsin and uh, led that for six years, and we were semi-classical. And uh, the way I've described that to people is that that was kind of uh, scratching an itch for uh, me and my wife that uh, we didn't even know we had And um, after that time, uh, led a uh, non-classical Christian school um, in Illinois and kind of realized uh, some of those classical components we we really missed and uh, really wanted to go back to that, not only for my career, but uh, actually even more so for our own children. Was
0: there there kind of an overriding... um um, concern or like a defining moment where you went, okay, that's it. We are going to go find a classical Christian school.
3: You know, it, I I don't know. I think it was more of a slow awakening and, and a realizing. You know, COVID was a lot of extra strain, and, and there was a lot of contention with that. And um, and I think it, really what what I've seen is that our generic Christian, our traditional Christian schools. Are really founded on an imitative model that they are really just imitating what they know and what they've seen in the the government schools, and and I think we can do better. I know we can do better. I know we can. Well,
0: well, and then that led you. With your own children, you, you tell them the ages of your children. Where are yes, you guys seven, six,
3: and three years old. Wow. And so our, our older two will be attending Doxa Christian Academy this fall. It's a startup school in the Milwaukee area. Wow. And uh, our youngest there will be at home with mom for another yeah. year.
0: Well, and I love the name Doxa. You were saying that's a... Yes, that's, that's Greek new, for
3: glory. So that's a... You know, you got, you're
0: part of this. I probably... You know, no one's really fully ascertain the level of growth and impact happening nationally internationally with startups of classical Christian schools So you guys are having your very first year this coming fall I mean Mm -hmm. you and I know there are hundreds if probably not thousands it may be of schools that are assembling with Folks saying we got to do something different. So you're part of the, right. a, a big wave right now coming through.
3: Yes, exactly. It's very exciting, and and it's a good time to be a startup because we have so many uh, brothers and sisters doing yeah, you it. Yeah, a lot us, of so people. So Champion cohort. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah,
0: a lot of folks on your side, and I love the name. And I love what you guys are doing, and what a blessing to get to take your kids to work every day. I, I, that was one of my experiences. Oh, yes. So absolutely. Most folks, it's you know go to go to work with dad once a year. They go to work every day with that, and yeah. uh, we'll be yeah. blessed for it. Well, great. Well, thanks again, Dale, for being a listener, and um, you know, hopefully, the next uh, fifty episodes will be uh, spread out maybe a little bit more. <laughs> well, I'm all caught up now. Okay. So, yep. Well, you were you were a uh, we should we should come up with an award for. Uh, I don't know, star climber or something for uh, <laughs> one who has endured the longest. Well, a, I just yeah.
3: really appreciate what you're doing. Well, and, thanks. yeah, I appreciate that. It's great. It's encouraging. And uh, yeah, it keeps us, keeps us moving forward. Okay.
0: Well, thanks for being part of the group.